This is the Get Healthy 360 podcast, where we discuss topics related to your physical, mental, financial, and spiritual health. Your host is Dr. Chris Ferguson, board certified in anesthesiology and pain management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and you should consult your primary health care provider before making any decisions related to your health. And here's your host, Dr. Chris Ferguson. Oh, one more thing before we start. If you like this episode, please consider rating us five stars. We would really appreciate it. Thanks very much. Welcome to Get Healthy 360. Today we have with us Josh Barnett. Often when people are not doing well in school, they think that their life is really over and then they'll be stuck with a very menial job and and no sort of sense of um, financial success. Also, if a child or if you're a parent of a child and they get labeled with ADD or ADHD, there's a lot of concern of if they don't do well in school, then then what will become of them? Um, there's all, often the fear of, well, they'll be stuck living on the system, living on welfare. They'll never amount to anything because there's a perception that there's just one way of doing things in life. But today we have with us Josh Burnett. What we're going to talk about is the difficulties he had with school. Um, his parents got divorced. That also causes difficulties for many people. Um, he has some phenomenal coping mechanisms. And to go from a kid who really didn't think he'd amount to a lot in life, just to tell you where he's at right now, he owns 122 doors um, of rental property. He just bought a subdivision and is developing that. He owns his own insurance firm. And he is just a little over 40. And he just got a brand new Tesla for his birthday from his beautiful wife. So I think that progress will hopefully shine a lot of light on in it'll shine a lot of light in how people can do well, even if they're not meant for school, which is the standard way that people think. So Josh, thank you very much for sharing your story today. Hey, thanks for having me on. So let's start at the beginning before, before you're the, you know, the obvious success people see you in this large house with a nice Tesla, great family. And they think, oh, your life has been easy. You probably were gifted a lot because you're one of those rich guys that has everything. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I've actually had people accuse me of that before or, or ask that, you know, just like, I don't know, somehow I was, I was gifted stuff or had this, this silver spoon. It was, it was any, anything, anything from that. Um, as, as you were uh, mentioning, like growing up in school, I, I really struggled uh, people would sometimes joke around that I had like ADD or ADHD or had a hard time paying attention, but I don't know. No one ever sat me down and took me to a therapist or a doctor and, and put me on any kind of medication or anything. I just, I honestly just thought I was always dumb and, and couldn't pay attention. <laughs> like I, at the time, that's just my perception of myself was, was that I was just born broken. And I, I honestly did feel I, yeah, I, so, um, one, one thing that I did, you're talking about my coping mechanisms. I didn't know it was this at the time, but my parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade and, uh, uh, I developed this really bad habit of when I'd fall behind in school, I would just quit and move to go live with the other parents. My mother was living in Utah and my father moved to California after the divorce. And so every few months when I'd fall behind in school, I would just start over 
and move to a different state and then start over in school and then less is expected of me and people are more patient with me. And, and then once I live with that parent, once I fell behind in school there and got in trouble there, I just quit and just, I just got to kept restarting over in life every few months. And, uh, yeah, then it kind of caught up to me my senior year of high school when my counselor sat me down and, and said, Josh, you don't have enough credits to graduate high school. <laughs> I was frustrated and, and confused. And I was like, well, what the crap have I been doing in school all these years? And, uh, yeah, so I had to go talk to some teachers and, and sweet talk some of them to changing some D minuses into C minuses and, and some C minuses to like a B minus. Luckily, they adjusted it up, and I, yeah, I graduated with a, I went from a 1.8 to a 2.0006, and that was 420 my graduating class. I was number 410. I still don't know how nine people got lower GPA than me, but some, somehow there's nine people that had lower than a 2.0006, and uh, yeah, but at, at that time, I, I kind of thought that I was starting off my life in last place. And, you know, I just felt kind of like a loser and I wouldn't be able to accomplish much or achieve much because I was in last place. And that's just how I, I felt I was always going to be. It was not fun. So there are, there's only a, in, in all of high school, there's always a, like a bell curve and the people at the top of at least the academic scale there, there can only be so many people at the top of that, that academic scale. So how did you go from feeling not great about yourself, having ADHD, I think, from, based on what you told me, realizing that school really wasn't for you? What was your next step? So, um, so shortly, uh, shortly after that, I, um, so I, I had applied at a few different jobs uh, at a call center, and I didn't... <laughs> I didn't even get hired at a call center to like be a telemarketer. And like, I don't know about in Canada, but in the U S like when you see people walking on the street and you're like, Whoa, look at that guy. Where does he work? He works at a call center. The people that you're like, what in the world? Hey, look, look, like they work at call centers. I'm not judging you right now. If you work at a call center, I'm judging you, but like, that's, that's where they work, but they hire everybody, but they didn't hire me. I applied twice and they didn't hire me because they thought I wouldn't be very good at sales. And so, yeah, uh, so I'm a loser in school. I can't get hired in a call center. The third time, they must have been desperate because they hired me. But anyways, uh, shortly after that, a friend of mine called me up and said, dude, you got to come to Minnesota and become a door-to-door salesman. And I was like, what are you doing in Minnesota? He's like, dude, I'm doing door-to-door sales and I'm making good money. So, so I took a risk, quit my call center job, drove to Minnesota and started doing the door-to-door sales thing. But everybody on the team had been out there. They all were college-age kids. They had been out there for a month. I came out a month late. So everybody was already over the learning curve. They were in their groove. They're all doing really well. But guess who's the last guy in last place? Who's the lowest performer? Who has the lowest numbers every night? And just I'm just like, I'm feeling like a loser again. And what does Josh do when he feels like an underachiever? like an underperformer, like you can't do it, what's he do? He quits, because that, that's what I do. Things aren't going my way, and I'm not seeing, I'm not, I'm not, I quit. So I call up my mom, and I was like, mom, 
I'm going to quit and come home and, and beg for my call center job back. And she says, oh, you can't quit. I said, yeah, I'm going to quit. She's like, no, no, really, you can't quit. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, <clears throat> we rented out your bedroom uh, downstairs. <laughs> so my mom was going through another divorce and money was tight. And so she had put an ad in, in the paper. This is almost 20 years ago, so put an ad in the paper for room for rent, and a family had moved downstairs to the basement and was just paying rent. I was at, after high school, so I don't really feel bad looking back now, but at the time, I was frustrated because I couldn't quit, but that's what I do. When I fall behind, when I'm not seeing results, it's never my fault. It's always somebody else, and I tried to quit, and I couldn't, so then after that, I had to do something I, I wasn't really familiar with and I had to like figure out the problem and solve the problem and internally figure out a way to change my efforts to then improve my results, which was kind of foreign to me. So I started interviewing top sales guys and doing what they were doing and, and uh, reading different books and all this stuff. And the crazy thing was is my sales – uh, started dramatically improving. And then within a couple of weeks, I was in the top three of our office. Within another week, I was a top guy in the office. Within another week or two, I was, I was doubling the number two guy behind me, if that makes sense. So, so what did you do? So from the time it took that you decided that you have to make this work, how long did it take for you to, once you started reading books and obviously implementing the things you read, so you start seeing results? Uh, a week. I mean, I mean granted, in the door-to-door -door sales world, a week can change everything. Um, so depending on which industry you're in, like a week can change stuff. Like some people, like doctors, like it, it can take years. <laughs> years. What, and what uh, were you doing that the other salespeople weren't doing? Some of the highlights of you changed these things and you saw a huge return on what you did. Um... As, as silly as it sounds, like I didn't know that people could learn how to sell. I, I honestly thought either you're good or you're bad. And I had determined that I was bad. Like I was like, I'm not good. I'm an underperformer. I just suck at stuff. That's just what I had thought. So just that, that one thing alone that I could, I could learn, if that makes any sense at all, that it was a learnable skill, that gave me hope that I, I could tweak it out. So that, that was number one thing. But more technical stuff, if you want to know more of the technical stuff on the selling side, it was, was the number one thing, honestly, is that a sale is made on every single doorstep or every single phone call. Either you sell them why they honestly do need your product or service, or they're going to sell you why they don't need it and why they're okay without it. Uh, and just having that confidence of like, you guys have to have this, not being arrogant or dirty, but just that, that confidence of like, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for you. So having the confidence that they truly need it, I'm helping them. And as silly as it sounds, but I learned to make people laugh on the doors because everybody in the sales world, uh, everybody, someone comes to your door, there's a wall up. I don't care if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're a dad working from home or whatever it is. Guy comes to your door or girl, there's a wall up there. And like, uh, I, 
you got to get them off the doorstep because everybody knows that it's internal. You don't say yes to door to door salesman. And I just learned if I can make people laugh and I take that wall down and I can relate with them because I'm like just a normal guy. Uh, yeah, I started closing sales and then asking for referrals and name dropping that are neighbors that were buying. Like th those are some some technical things that that really helped. The other thing too is again, here's this built up momentum of an underperformer loser bottom of the barrel guy that's all of a sudden making a couple hundred dollars a day and no one cares what you got in school. No one cares what your credit score is. Like no one, like I'm in control of my income. Like that, that was a game changer for me. Like I was like the harder I work and the more I smile and the better attitude I have, the more money I can make that, that was a game changer for me. And, and then it just, every day just kept like, I just kept one, one upping myself, if that makes sense. And yeah, within, within a month of the wanting to quit and go home until like, I, I was making a couple grand a week for, and for a kid who almost didn't graduate high school, like that was a lot of money for me back then. Like, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of money for people now. Yes. Yes. But for, yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I that's a lot. That's a lot of people money for people now. Yeah. Yeah. But for a kid right out of high school who thought he was a loser and was never going to accomplish anything like that was, that was big money. And, and so I became a big fan of sales and reading positive books and, and, and just about, yeah. That so was I have to ask, what's your favorite book then? If you had to recommend one book to someone, what's your most like recommended book? Uh, so I actually, uh, own a door to door sales company that now does this. And so I have a sales team right now in the state of Minnesota knocking doors, which is where this all happened. And the first book I gave them is how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. It's, it's a simple book. A lot of people read it, but it's, it's, it teaches all those principles of persuading people, not because a lot of people have a negative concept of, of salespeople and there's a lot of bad salespeople out there, but if you can learn to relate with people and build rapport with them and, and talk with them, not at them, like you have a higher chance of selling your product or service, assuming your product or service is good and that you're a good person, your company is a good product or service. So you went from, so you became from, from barely graduating high school using your, your, it sounds like innate sales techniques to mm -hmm. sell um, the teachers to up your grades to being the number one sales man. And then what was your next step after that? So then after that, I jumped into management. So then I managed a team for door to door sales team. I did that for a few years, got married. My wife said, Hey, I don't know if I want to raise a family being a traveling door to door salesman's wife. What if we settle down and like got a house, you know, white picket fence and like, you know, you got like a nine to five job. And, and I, I thought back to my days of knocking doors. And one thing I would always do when I found somebody that lived in a really nice house and that happened to be home during the day, I would ask them like, hey, what do you do for work? Because this is a really nice house and you're home during the day. Like, I, I'm, you know, maybe I should do whatever you're doing. And, and a common theme that I found, I, I seemed to find was a lot of them were insurance agents, like car and home insurance. So when my wife said, Hey, let's, what's the next step? I started looking into becoming a car and home insurance salesman. So I 
So I did that and started working for uh, one of the top performing insurance agents uh, in my state, Utah. Uh, worked for him for a year, learned a lot of good things, and then and I started my own insurance agency. And yeah, just kept implementing all the all these both the, the work ethic and the strategies I learned in the door-to-door sales, but also from my mentor that I was being mentored by. Uh, yeah, we, we, within, I think it took me six years, we built, it was the third largest insurance agency in my state. I wow. surpassed the, the guy that mentored me. Um, it, anyway, so then, yeah. Yeah, so that's the, that's the insurance side. And then the other, um, very ambitious thing you're doing very well is you're also doing real estate as well. How did you decide to get into real estate? Because obviously you're making very good money off insurance, but how did you, why did, how and why did you diversify into real estate? So real estate, I know it's kind of funny. I always thought like, I'm just going to buy some land and, and develop it. Cause it sounds easy. Buy some dirt, put in a road and then sell off all the lots. Um, I couldn't find out it's substantially harder than that, like way harder. Um, but let's see. So this was back in 2016. Uh, wife had the idea, like, let's go look for some land. And so we started looking for some land uh, to buy and we were finding some on the outskirts of town, a ton of land for a good deal, but you couldn't develop it. And that's what I really had always wanted to do. And so I just kept looking around looking around and finally I found a piece right next to this up and coming, growing, developing neighborhood. But it's up, it's right across the street, but it's up the hill. And I don't know, no one ever thought about that. I thought, dude, you get the best of both worlds. It's, it's across the street from this very desirable neighborhood, but it's across the street and it's up the hill. So all the homes have like these breathtaking views of this very beautiful part of the country we happen to live in, Cache Valley, like low in Utah. It's very beautiful. Anyway, so... So started meeting with the owner, put an offer, um, bought it, and yeah, just got my PhD in subdivisions by screwing up a ton over a couple of years. And yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. I don't know anybody that's ever done a subdivision. No one in my family or my friends have ever done this. I just, I'm just crazy enough to, to dream big and like go after it. And somehow, somehow it, it didn't blow up my face. <laughs> and then you also have 122 doors that you rent out. Yes. Yes. So, um, so at the same time that I bought the land, so it was, it was 20 acres, so it's not huge, but I bought 20 acres at the same time I bought, uh, a 16 plex in a, in a neighboring town, Kind of a fun story with that. It's not really a 16plex. It's 16 townhomes that are that were kind of run down, so no one was like really jumping on it. And, and I talked to a property manager that, that knew the area, and I said, hey, talk with all of them and see if we can buy them all up together. Because it's kind of funny, separately – 16 rundown, it's basically four fourplexes. Mm. 16 separately owned rundown older townhomes really isn't worth that much. So we bought them all. But when you combine them all together and you do some remodeling and you fix them up and you adjust rents up, now 
Now it's a, a small apartment complex of 16 apartments all in one place. It's next to a park. Uh, yeah, that, that was, that was the beginning of, of kind of how this all, all started was, and, and again, I, I guess going back to my childhood where I had to be creative because I struggled in school and we didn't have a ton of money and, you know, so if I was going to make something happen, I couldn't just like go to friends from me and ask for money or co-sign for me. It's just like, I have to be creative. So creative people, one advantage of creative people or being poor is you have to be creative. And so I can just go out and build a brand new, nice 16 plex. Like I don't have the money. I don't know how to do that, whatever. So I just found an old one. Yeah. So that's kind of a, I didn't know at the time how genius that was, but like looking back, I've had a ton of people tell me like that, that was really freaking awesome idea to buy 16 separate townhomes in a townhome development and combine them all up. Does that make sense? No, that makes, I think that's, that's super insightful and, and really brilliant. So what would you say? Cause you've been on both sides now you're, you're talking about just your view on life, which I'm fascinated by. So what there, there are people that would, like you've said, they'll look at you driving in your nice car and the, and, and the perception is because you have money, you were given things or you, your parents were rich or something like you, there's that perception of you didn't earn it because they don't have any money. So, but you do have money. So somehow you, there's no way it's their fault. So what would you say, because you've been on both sides of the fence, the things that keep people from having a better life, what are the things that keep people poor and what are the, the mental shifts that you made that allowed you to be where you are? Because it sounds like you definitely changed some gears in the way you saw the world. Uh, yes, I, I did. And that, that's true. And the funny thing is hearing, hearing you ask those questions and referencing other people, like I used to be there, like I, I would look at somebody and, and I, and, particularly like in high school, like I really resented the rich kids. Like I just, I just kind of hated them. And I was like, this seemed like everything was set for them. And, and in, in many ways at that time it was, but, but one huge challenge that rich kids have is that they, they have a safety net and they don't have to be successful. If that makes sense. And, and for me, I had to be successful. Like, a, a phrase that I came up with that I've never read, read in a book before, but going back to that summer when I tried to quit and then I found out I couldn't quit and I had, I was stuck there in Minnesota. Success was no longer a nicety. It became a necessity. And, and so for anybody that's struggling right now, like it, it's kind of a harsh truth, a harsh reality, but until it becomes a necessity, like they have to have it, they're going to be stuck in that kind of victim mentality of like blaming other people. So the way to shift, the only way I shift, I don't take credit for it. Like my mom took away my ability to quit. So I couldn't quit. So if anybody's stuck in that mindset, the, it has to be something internal that, that they're, that they're fed up of just being in a, in a bad spot. Uh, they have to quit quitting if they're stopping jobs. Now I'm not talking about people that have like severe 
uh, like if they're in an abusive relationship or if, or if they, you know, have a severe handicap or whatever, like I'm, I'm, I'm not discrediting that. Like there's truly people that have severe challenges and it's, it's hard. I'm not discrediting that at all. But uh, I think for them, you have to take ownership of where you are in life. Like if you really wanted to make something happen, you would do it. You're a physician. Like you, you really want to do that. I really want to do a subdivision. So I just, I made it happen. And so that's a, that's a very deep discussion, but it's, it's a, it's, it's, it's something that everybody has to reflect on themselves um, of, do you want to be the victim or the victor? The victor still has a challenge, but somehow she or he found a way to overcome that challenge. And that's why their story is so much more awesome because it was challenging. Whereas the victim saw the challenge, recognized there's a challenge, and sat on their butt and just talked about the problem, whereas the victor saw the problem, recognized also there's a problem, but went around and tried to figure out how to solve it, and they didn't stop. They persisted until they overcame that challenge, that obstacle, and they they became victorious. And that's how how any of us succeed in, in life. Um, it, it, it's what are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about that? We're going to sit and talk about the problem. Like people are like, Oh, but Josh, it's, it's different. And then they insert their victim sad story. And I feel horrible because people message me and like, Josh, tell me what to do because, and then, the, 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 and then it's in a messenger and like they they just rattle off all these problems. I'm not about Dr. Phil, but like, okay, what can you do about it? And they're like, there's nothing I can do. And it's like, well, then if there's something you can do, then there is nothing you can do because you've already decided in your head, there's nothing I can do. And if you live your entire life playing the victim card, thinking there's nothing you can do because you're dumb, you're poor, your parents are broke, you know, uh, you're short. I don't know. These are all excuses I used to make. <laughs> but then you'll be stuck for life because you've determined you can't do anything. But if you do want to do something, then go out and do it. Going back to my first story, I found somebody, all success. Here's here's one of my my, my t-shirt moments, my quote moments. There are no successful people. There are only successful strategies. My strategy sucked up to that point. My strategy was half A, give an effort. And when it doesn't work out, quit. That was my strategy. Bad strategy. A lot of people do that strategy. It's bad. <laughs> Never worked, ever. But my then strategy when quitting was an option was find somebody succeeding, interview them or talk to them and ask them, like for mine, it was Paul. Like, Paul, what are you doing that I'm not doing? A couple of things Paul was doing is Paul was reading books. And I was like, why are you reading books? You're the top guy out here. He said, because you got to sharpen the axe. You got to be grinding on on the axe and making it sharp every day. Uh, number two thing you knows about Paul. Paul always had a positive attitude. He was not negative at all. Positive guy. Number three is is dumb, but like he was always the last guy to return every night. He was knocking on doors late into the evening, and I, I was dumb. I never recognized. I was always the first guy to return home from knocking doors. Therefore, I quit earlier than everybody else. Surprise. I had the lowest sales. 
And, and so, so when I started duplicating successful people like Paul, reading books, being positive, expecting it to be a good day, just expecting every door to be a yes, expecting people to say yes to me, and then trying to knock the most men, try to outwork Paul so that I could be the last guy home every night. Surprise, my sales started doubling. And, and so anybody like is listening to this, like, you know what? I'm struggling and just, you got to check your excuses at the door because you can't focus on your excuses like I used to. What do you want? And you got to focus on what you want and then go find somebody. Go find your Paul. For me, it was convenient because he was my roommate. Go find somebody that's already succeeding, interview them, follow and duplicate their strategy, and you will get those exact same results because that person isn't successful because they were born into it. They're not successful because they were gifted it and they were they inherited it or whatever. They are just following strategies. You follow those exact strategies you will get the exact same results, the exact same. There's Because that successful person, whatever they're doing, if it's a, a fitness mama and she wants to lose weight, or if it's a, a, an entrepreneur that's starting up a business or, or whatever it is, you find somebody that's succeeding. If they stop following their own success patterns, which happens sometimes, they, they reach a top and then they stop doing what got them there and then they lose everything. So someone's going to say, well, or someone will want to know, so you had ADHD, you couldn't do well in school, yet you would go through and read all these books about sales and positive attitude, et cetera. How did you do that with ADHD or ADD? Because for me, it was the first time I actually read a book that I actually enjoyed. Every like reading sucked. I hated reading. I still am not a big fan of reading, but an intriguing book, like a personal development book, a, a self-help book, like a leadership book, a sales book, like the good ones have stories. <laughs> I'm, I'm a story guy. I love a good story that has a good message to it that's inspiring and teaches a lesson in principles. And, and that, for me, was a biggie for me. When I started, though, it wasn't books. It was books on tape. A lot of millionaires that I've that I follow, that I talk to, they don't sit and read actual books. Uh, it's, it's audio. Like uh, you can get Audible and put your head, and you can go work out, go for a run. You can be reading a book in your ear while you're exercising or driving your car or, or whatever. But you can still do the book thing. But for me, it was audio books. It was a, a start. But sales books, like those personal development books, like they're really, really good, and they're easy to read. Like they're they're as opposed to like a chemistry book or a history book or, or some of those things. Like I wish history could be a lot cooler if the history books were written better, like as an intriguing movie-ish anyways. But for me, audiobooks. I'd, I'd say start with audio uh, audiobooks or but, – but you got to have passion in it for whatever it is. So what – Whatever it is, so listeners, like whatever it is that they want to achieve, like if they're like, hey, I want to lose weight or I want to start uh, a fitness, whatever it is. Like if, if you're into that, then find all the books you can about that and start interviewing people that are killing it in that industry and then duplicate them. And you're, you're, the reason I'm going to ask this question is you're 
obviously a really bright, driven, successful guy. And the reason I ask this is you now have children who, for, based on what you said, they'd be the kids that would irritate you growing up because your kids have access to a lot of resources that you never had. Yes. But on the flip side, having those, that, that access to resources, they don't have to be as driven because they have a nice house and they have stuff that you never had, but that lack of stuff made you who you are. So I don't know if you've put thought into how to navigate raising your children. Uh, those, those are very good points. My oldest son is 13. And one of the things I've been driving into his brain since he was, since he was young, like right around eight, is that I've told him, like, Connor, I'm not going to save you. When you become an adult and you start it, like, if you make poor choices, you are going to suffer the consequences of those poor choices. I'm not going to come save you. I'm not going to pay for stuff. My children, okay, when he's 16, I'll maybe pay half for his first car. But then after that, like, you, you're buying your own car and you go to college, like, you pay for college. Like I paid for my own college. I actually, at first I got a Pell Grant cause I was so poor that like the government paid for it for me. Cause I fall in the super poor category. And then my second year after I was doing the sales, like I started paying for it myself anyways, but, but that's, what, but I'm, I'm trying to motivate and encourage him. Um, cause I'm constantly telling, I'm talking with him about my businesses. Like this last weekend we went on a trip to park city with a family. And I was like, Connor, this is so cool that we get to go take off as an entire family and I'm getting paid while we're gone. My insurance business is still going, even though I'm not there for four days, my rental property business, all my tenants are still like, it's still operating and I'm getting paid even though I'm not there. And I'm, I'm trying to encourage them to be a business owner and to start their own business. And and to think like a business owner, if that makes sense. So I'm, I'm trying to empower them, not enable them. Because I've, I've had enabled kids work for me, and they always quit. And mommy and daddy always call me and say, hey, my son's having a hard time. He wants to quit and come home. And I say, you're, you're going to be rescuing your son for your entire life. He's going to live in your basement for the rest of his life because you are never going to let him learn because you're enabling your son, but people don't want to hear that. Anyway, so I am bound and determined to not let my kids become one of those kids, one of those enabled kids that mommy and daddy saved them. I'm not ever going to rescue them, ever. I think the last question I have for you is advice for parents who are struggling. They love their kids, but their kids say has ADHD, or for whatever reason, they're just School is not for them. Like if you have a shark and you tell the shark to climb a tree, it's not going to happen. It's just not the way they're built. But some people are built to own businesses or built to like own subdivisions and build them. And, and school is, I feel, set for a specific type of person and it's not set for another type of person. So it's failing a lot of people. But parents, unfortunately, are judged where their kids fall out in high school but they have their entire lives ahead of them. So what would you say to a parent who has a kid who's just not doing well in school? How, what strategies would you advise them? I, I, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's hard because to your point, there are a lot of people that struggle in school the way that I did. And 
number one, I, I would say both to the parent and the child, it's okay. They need to know that it's okay if they have a hard time focusing and paying attention. But, but also, I would say to the child too, like, don't just throw your hands up in the air and blame and blame it all on your ADD. Like, uh, that's also not bueno as well. I would encourage, I guess, two things. One thing that I'm doing with my own kids is you reward the behavior you want to see. So with my son, he's still in junior high, he's starting eighth grade. Uh, I give him $20 for every A that he gets. I think he gets some of his focus from his mom because he, he's able to focus more in school than I was. But he got all six A's, so I owe him 120 bucks. He just got his report card this week. So I'm gonna give him 20 bucks per A. It has only 20, it could be $5 per A. It could be a dollar A. Just, just some kind of positive reinforcement. That's really good in leadership too for business. You reward the behavior you want to see. So if you can, and it doesn't have to be A's, like just maybe it's C's for your child or maybe it's B's. But I think number one, having them understand the benefits of school, they still need to, even though it's not perfect and, it's, and it is designed for different people, there's still things that kids can and should learn in school. I don't know about in Canada if if homeschooling is a thing, but in the United States, uh, kids that go to school versus kids that are homeschooled, there's a dramatic difference in social uh, interaction ability with people that are homeschooled. I have friends that are homeschooled. Some come out stellar. Some struggle in the social aspects. Kids need to go to school for all the horrible things that can happen there, but then they come home and their parents walk them through there. But, But that's what I'd say is, Encourage your kids, don't give up. Don't allow the AD to become a, an excuse, but recognize that it's going to be a struggle and do your very best. And it's hard because other kids can get their homework done in 30 minutes. And AD kids, the same homework could take an hour and a half. It's just unfair. I agree. Some people can eat a gallon of ice cream and not gain a pound. Other people eat a pint and they'll gain 10. That's me. Started five years ago, and it sucks. But I can complain, or I can eat less ice cream and exercise more. That's all. <laughs> so, so no excuses. No excuses. Bottom line. Yeah, no, no, no excuses. But but don't compare. That's one last thing too. Like if from a parent, if you want to if you want to put your child down and make them feel this small, compare them to kids in the neighborhood. Compare them to other kids because that will make your child feel an inch tall. Obviously, don't do that. Like the, 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 You can't compare them. Just like if, if one of your kids is overweight compared to one of your kids that's super slender, like you want your kid to feel like crap, compare them. That, that's the worst thing I think a parent could ever do is do the comparing game. That's, I think, damaging. I think that's damaging to the comparing game to make them feel like garbage, but also enabling your child and storming into the school and yelling at the teachers because your kid gets sucky grades. That's also enabling so, Josh, I just want to thank you so much for sharing everything that you did on this podcast. I, I think you give a lot of people a lot of hope. Also, I would say that you're the average of the five people you spend a lot of time with. So you actually have a Facebook group, um, the Landlord Millionaires Group, that yes. you interact with people. And also you have, you're launching a course on how to do real estate as well, a six weeks course. Yep. 
Yeah, so if, if anybody would like to hear some of the nitty gritty details of how to jump into real estate, a lot of people like the idea of real estate, of, of, of owning real estate. It sounds cool to have some fourplexes or some duplexes or a bunch of them. But not a lot of people are, are taking time to show them how to do that. There's, there's, there's gurus, if you will, of people that like charge way too much, but I don't even know if they even own any. I'm just a normal average guy that admits that he sucked in school and I, I struggled growing up, but somehow I, I managed to make it happen. And so I keep it real and I just share my journey, my active journey of being a landlord. And so if people would like to know how an average Joe like me did it and is continuing to do it, then yes, join our group. It's free landlord millionaires group on Facebook. And, uh, and then we are going to be rolling out some, some online courses and some coaching for those that want additional information. Fantastic. And um, I, I think again, highly encourage you people to join the group just to be associated and be around people who are just like-minded will facilitate you. You had a mentor, I think getting that one-on-one -on -one mentorship where someone can just objectively look at what you're doing. And it sounds like calling someone on um, their thinking errors, super important. Josh, thank you very much for, again for taking the time. And to close the Landlord Millionaires group, we'll have your social um, media links in the podcast notes. So thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and visit the Get Healthy 360 Facebook page. We are always looking for feedback and new story ideas. Thanks again, and see you next time.